Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm John Ray alongside Roger Lesby. Roger. Good morning, John. How are you? Uh, great. How are you doing? Are you... I'm fine and uh, not quite ready for Christmas, but uh, we do wish everybody a uh, happy holidays. We do, and uh, we're glad to put the wrap on 2020, that's for sure. Well, we, we still have a few weeks to go, but it'll be great to turn that page. It will be. Uh, folks, just a quick reminder that Frazier & Dieter's Business Beat is brought to you by Frazier & Dieter. Frazier & Dieter is an award-winning international CPA and advisory firm with deep technical expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to FraserDieter.com. And now we've got two great guests, uh, Grant Edwards and Kevin Carlson, and they are with TechCXO. Guys, welcome. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. So uh, talk a little bit about each of you. Talk a little bit about your disciplines and your practices and uh, Tech CXO. What, what, uh, how do you serve in folks out there? Sure. So Tech CXO is a group of seasoned executives. Uh, we have various disciplines. I'm in the finance group, so I'm in the uh, – I'm a chief financial officer. Uh, Kevin is in the IT group uh, with uh, – he's a, a CTO and a CISO and uh, – we also have marketing executives and CEO executives. So we can uh, fill out – as well as uh, human resources executives. So we can fill out your entire executive team, um, either on an interim fraction or a pro- uh, project base. Uh, the benefit of Tech CXO is we're all seasoned. Uh, we've all been through the uh, various um, scalings and various exits, and uh, we come in uh, ready to go on day one. One of the things we were talking about before we came on the air that I thought was really interesting – you made a distinction in the term CFO for hire versus what the way you approach your clients and the way you can fit in so rapidly. So, yeah, so it's the, the difference between tech CXO and like a, um, a CFO for hire is that we, we are fully engaged with our clients. We become a member of the management team. I have a client, um, Defense Storm, very successful um, cybersecurity company here in Alpharetta, Georgia, that – I'm their CFO. I'm in all their leadership meetings. I'm uh, friends with everyone that's on the management team. We look to guide them through things. Even at the holiday party this year, I'm going to uh, dress up as a member of the of the theme. And I'm, I'm viewed not as a fractional but as a member of the management team from a cultural standpoint as well as from a uh, technical expertise. And I provide that leadership uh, to help this company grow uh, as – as it's uh, just close at Series B of twenty million, and so we're proud of uh, proud of them, and uh, it's a good example of what we do at TechCXO. And you bring in a perspective because you have uh, multiple clients, and you, you've worked with multiple clients over the years. Maybe you bring in a perspective that they that your clients wouldn't ordinarily get if they had someone that had been there a long time and maybe is kind of used to the way things look and as opposed to maybe the way things ought to look, right? That's right. So the, so again, the benefit of, of the fractional model is you're getting someone who has that experience from previous engagements. You're also getting um, the experience of someone who's doing multiple engagements. So we're seeing multiple clients that are dealing with similar issues such as COVID in 2020, and we're able to bring that knowledge across the line. Uh, you're also getting a much more seasoned person for the price you're paying. Uh, since you're only paying for us from a fractional standpoint, you're able to get um, someone who's seasoned 
at a much at a uh, more affordable rate than someone that says growing into the position or learning that piece. We're able to move on day one with uh, you know, expertise and how to make uh, to make our respective functions operate effectively. And then, Kevin, you work with a similar model, but uh, but you just have a different skill set, correct? Exactly. So um, very focused on – in the product and technology practice, it's a very wide range of clients that we have, ranging from startups that just need technology strategy help, uh, maybe some expertise around how to manage a development team, all the way to, on the CISO side, helping through uh, you know large-scale compliance audits like SOC 2, um, things like that. So it's um, – it can be very technical. It can be very process oriented. And just like Grant was saying, we become part of the management team and culturally it's very different than being a CTO for hire. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, right now I'm working with several clients, two in New York, a couple here in the, in, in the Atlanta area. And it's the same across the board. Because Grant, I mean, ultimately, if you guys are really successful, you work yourself out of a, out of a job. Because a defense storm or another type of client is going to probably engage a full-time CFO at some point uh, in in their in their history, correct? It is. That's a uh, defense storm is a great example. Uh, when I sat down with the CEO when he first uh, had been promoted to CEO, and we talked, I explained. I said, "You your hands are full. You've got a lot on your plate right now. You're growing sales. You've got to grow up, establish your marketing, your customer service, your R and D. I can come in, run your back office." And a successful engagement is going to be one of two things. Either one, you um, you grow to a point you need that full time CFO, and when that happens, I'm help I'm here to help you vet the right candidate. I'm here to uh, make sure you have an organized, a, a smooth transition. I'm also available after the fact to answer questions to make sure that you don't lose that history of knowledge, or your company goes through the roof, you have a successful exit, and everybody becomes billionaires and moves off to the islands. Um, and that is what I consider a successful engagement is uh, making the is the company growing up to that point. And then I guess we have to address it, but uh, but what's been the uh, the impact of COVID nineteen? Uh, some of the clients that you're working with uh, haven't batted an eye and have actually had tremendous years, and we have others where we really wonder whether they're going to survive. So 2020 has definitely been a uh, a reset for a lot of businesses. Uh, we've we've had to go in and first thing we did, everybody jumped all over the PPP loans and saw the infuse of capital. Still a great thing, I think, and I'm still amazed that the government, the federal government, could actually get a program like that accomplished in a couple of weeks. Uh, I know for some of our clients, it was a lifesaver. It absolutely was. It's uh, and the and the thing I tried to make our or first of all, with the tech CXO, we were doing it for so many clients. We knew exactly how to tackle the PPP process, get funding as quick. Uh, we had the contacts and the banking arrangements. Uh, and that's uh, one of the benefits um, of a tech CXO partner is we have those relationships. But it was, it was further than just getting the money in the bank account. We were able to strategize with our clients, let them know that the, the funds were not there necessarily to expand and to grow your business, but it was to help get money into your employees' pockets. I um, mean, in my opinion, what the government did with the PPP loan was relieve the pressure on the unemployment offices by not furloughing and laying everybody off, but allowed the, em- the employers to continue to pay their employees and keep that loyalty and build that uh, morale of that we were all in it together. And that's what I saw with uh, at one client at um, Citizen Supply at Pont City Market in the retail space. Definitely had to, to, to pivot. And what we have done with them is they have shifted more from a in-person sales experience to also build an online an online presence that was larger and larger. And so when 
the country comes back in the next couple of months, thanks to the vaccine that Trump just got us and got everybody moving, we will be in a situation that they will have two revenue streams going now. They'll have the in-person sales at Pont City Market, and they will have the um, they will be able to have the uh, online sales. So it, they will come back stronger than they originally did, and that's a good parallel of um, us working together with our clients. But, Kevin, a lot of your clients are in the fintech space, which I would think have actually done well during this environment. They have, and, and a lot of the technology clients, there was a little bit of a lull right after this whole thing happened. Um, many of them you know, pursued the PPP loans as well, but that was really more handled by the finance side of things. On the tech side, there was anxiety around, can my development team still function remotely, uh, which I think the tech world is um, you know, much more used to. Than, than say others because they work with offshore teams, nearshore teams, and people do work remotely from home already. What, what folks found though is that after the initial months of sort of shock of, you know, what's going to happen next, everybody figured out we have to get back to it and the tech world has taken off. I've, you know, in fact, I think we're busier than we've ever been. Well, and, and again, a lot of times in the tech world, they tend to work on projects mm-hmm. as opposed to serving customers that like we do in the professional service environment. Well, I think in, in the tech world, you do work on a project, but if your project isn't serving a customer, then why are you doing it? So, you know, I, one of the things I want to make sure that we, we get across here is that this really, a fractional role isn't really just about management, it's about leadership and mm-hmm. being able to lead a team into understanding the impact that the project they're working on has on their customer, on the world is, is important, right? If you can get a team united around that common purpose, then things move. Let's talk about the software development angle of this, Kevin, because, uh, you know, a lot of thing, of things we hear about, not just from software development teams, but, for, but from other functional teams in general is the value of being together. Mm-hmm. And obviously folks are scattered. Uh, we're scattered then or scattered now. Uh, talk about how that is working in some of the clients that you're, that you work with and, and the advice that you give them on how to keep that team cohesive. It really hasn't been as big of a struggle as, as you would think. Mm. I think that software development teams are used to working, um, remotely. You've had nearshore and offshore components to supplement, you know, in-house software development. So that element's been there for a couple of decades easy. Um, I think the challenge comes in is when everybody's remote and how do you keep people looped in? So we see a lot of increased use of, of Zoom, of Slack, uh, and just constant Communication is really critical and consistent communication. Uh, you have to have those two factors. Um, and it has to be, you have to have leadership doing the same thing. If you have leadership that says, well, I'm going to do it differently than I'm telling everybody else to do it, it won't stick. So the, the clients that I have, especially the ones that have larger development teams, like uh, one of them in New York has about, I want to say 50 or so developers. They're, all across the world, Japan, New York, London, um, and they're online all the time on Zoom meetings. And yes, there's Zoom fatigue, but there's also, you know, in the prior world, there's meeting fatigue. So it's, it's not really any different. It's just, uh, it's just a different way of operating. And I think people have become very used to it. And it's, it's a very productive environment. What are you seeing it, uh, near shore versus offshore, those decisions being made in terms of, uh, developers and and how that development gets done. How has that changed during COVID? I think the biggest difference between offshore and nearshore, uh, well, there's an inverse relationship between a rate 
in time zone overlap. So the closer the time zone is, the, the higher the, the rate gets, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. A Tech CXO has a partnership with about a half a dozen different nearshore firms and a couple of offshore firms. And, you know, I've, I've known these companies for, for over a decade, many of them. And, you know, we're used to managing those teams, so we can really help sort of cushion the effect of, uh, you know, what it takes to bring on an offshore team or a nearshore team, manage them and make them a productive part of a, a software development team. But COVID itself really hasn't, I don't think it's affected it. Even though COVID's affected teams worldwide, everybody's on the same boat, right? People are using Zoom, you know, all over the world or, you know, Google Meet or whatever, whatever it may be, right? People are using a technology to stay in touch and communicate. And face-to-face, I think, is critical. Um, I think that the teams that are on video more often are more cohesive. When you can see somebody, you know, it's, it's not the same as being there in person, but it's the next best thing. So, Grant, how how do you and how does Tech CXO do their marketing? So we are we're marketed a couple of ways. We have a website www.techcxo.com where you can view all of our partners and see all their different disciplines. But we have built a brand that's word of mouth is phenomenal for us. We have partnered with uh, some of the best in the city and best in the country. Uh, Roger Lesby over uh, Fraser and Dieter, I'd be. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a great partner at Tax. I I want to be familiar with him, and he knows his clients. That I I'm happy to bring him into my clients. Uh, we're also known well within the startup village here in here in Atlanta uh, with uh, between Venture Atlanta, the Tech um, uh, Atlanta Tech Village, as well as Alpharetta Tech Village here, and uh, it, it's a good networking piece of um, to meet people, be able to add that value, and to get in front of clients. And how many partners do you guys have at Tech CXO? We're about 90 partners around the country, and uh, we have added one partner now in London. So mm-hmm. we are a, um, an international firm. Uh, we've been around for about 20 years. Folks, let's uh, reintroduce our guest. We're here with uh, Kevin Carlson. He's an uh, outsourced chief technology officer, and Grant Edwards, who's a uh, uh, partner with T- Tech, Tech CXO, uh, easy for me to say. Uh, uh, that's, uh, does outsource, uh, CFO work. Um, so what do you see in, in the trends here for your industry? Do you see more outsourcing going on? Is COVID affected that? Uh, are people looking to, to bring in more outsourced talent? Um, and, and what, what, what does the geography look like? Because it, it seems like people have widened out their, vision in terms of the where they're willing to hire folks so so i think we are convinced that if you look at the three phases over the past 50 years first phase everybody took a job and they stayed there for years and you had pensions and that was kind of the, that was the mindset and then 401ks came around and people began to move a little bit uh, but now the 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 gig economy and the different uh Different businesses and the startup mindset, the entrepreneurs is really creating a demand for seasoned executives uh, to help to help startups and fast growing businesses. I mean, it's a and I think you, I was spoke at my daughter's uh, career day about a year ago and went around the room and said, "What what degree does it take to be an entrepreneur?" And every student said a different different uh, degree, and I was like, "Yep, absolutely. They're all right. They're all right." <laughs> And with that mindset and the ability that you don't have to be in a major metropolitan city, you don't have to be in Silicon Valley to start a SaaS company, that need and being able to meet your clients you know, across the entire country, small town, big city, 
uh, getting that expertise is uh, is, a, is definitely a growing demand uh, in the U.S. market. Well, space. I think without to state it another way, every company is looking for talent, and I think that they're going to get and secure and retain talent any way that they can. Agreed. You know, I think especially in the tech world where we've been used to working with remote teams perhaps longer than than others others have. Um, with COVID sort of kickstarted the, well, why can't I go remote with an executive role? Why can't I use a fractional role? So I've seen tremendous growth, especially in the product and technology space. Yeah, and then that eliminates geographic concerns. It does to a, to a big to a degree. degree. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you've got a high degree of time zone overlap, I think it's very effective. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons for London. It's one of the reasons that we opened a London office. Exactly. Yep. And with the number of executives that you have, uh, some 90, as, as I recall you mentioning, uh, you, you've got a lot of folks that have particular expertise. So when someone calls up and maybe you don't have that particular expertise, you know somebody internally that is a great fit for them. Uh, yes, ab- absolutely. We have someone in different fields, different. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we the firm started just on a, a kind of a SaaS platform of just doing uh, technology clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've now expanded out from uh, to energy to uh, manufacturing to pharmaceuticals, healthcare. Uh, we have someone who has touched just about every type of industry out there, and uh, having that expertise and that col- um, collaborative environment we have at TechCXO, it, it pays. I. Uh, I had a uh, situation last week. It was a HR issue I wasn't familiar with. I posted it within our our network firm, um, and was able to have two or three partners that have dealt with a similar issue and uh, able to resolve you know, client need in five to ten minutes, as opposed to you know, a couple of days of contacting somebody and doing research. And it's very similar in the tech um, space as well. You know, it's such a broad area. We have folks that are you know, partners that were. You know, CIOs, CTOs are very large financial services companies. And then we have people that are still, you know, pretty technical, can get into the nuts and bolts of things and, and really help a startup sort of kickstart, uh, their development, also their, their tech strategy and their processes. So Kevin, you mentioned SOC 2, but do you also deal with cyber? Do you also deal with, uh, high trust in the medical field? All the other, uh, activities that are there we certainly do we've got uh, a handful of uh, folks that are their CISOs and that they they have hands-on technology experience technology security experience a lot of a lot of uh, uh, experience walking companies through compliance frameworks making sure that they're going to pass an audit things like that so SOC 1 SOC 2 GDPR PCI HIPAA right high trust all those things are things that we've dealt with yeah very good yeah. Now, we talked about it a little bit just before we went on the show, but uh, uh, and, and we just had our partner retreat. But one of the things that all companies are doing right now is trying to set budgets for 2021. What, what do you think of as far as the economy? And, uh, and, and, and so what, what, what's your advice there? I always say to, uh, you know, you, you prepare for the worst, but uh, be ready for the best. And in the situation, in this case, I've got two budgets for just about every client. I've got the slow COVID comeback and the full COVID comeback. And one of the uh, the things that you really concentrate on is being able to, when you come back, have additional revenue streams. Uh, some clients, we got together, we had brainstorming sessions, and we came up with different uh, different revenue streams that could work today. And we'll still add value once everybody's back fully functioning in the uh, what I'm thinking is going to be kind of the second quarter, third quarter of 2021. Um, and that, and I, I do think there is going to be that person to person touch is going to come back. I just don't see it as a, 
as um, a culture, we would exist hiding behind Zoom meetings forever. Uh, I think people will go back to conferences. I um, I think that there is an element of that. Uh, I think people are going to change, though. I don't think it's going to be an expectation that you go to work five days a week. I think there will be – people have learned to be flexible. You know, people have learned to adapt. And uh, it, we are going to come back stronger both as a culture and as a company, um, different companies, uh, you know, by learning this diversity of approaches. Yeah, I think clearly a lot of trends have been accelerated. Uh, and uh, and so that will be interesting to see how that meets. Uh, it could also generate different revenue streams for various companies depending on what industries that they serve. Uh, so we'll have to take a look at that as well. Yeah, I, I want to just follow on to something you said. You said trends. And I think it was the early 80s maybe. John Naisbitt published a book called Megatrends. Great book. And I would the, recommend it still today. It is a great book. And one of the chapters that's particularly applicable today is the one called High Tech, High Touch. That has not changed. So I never in a million years thought I would say I miss getting on planes, but I do. I miss going and visiting my clients face to face. It's it's the most effective way of communication. And that's really what the you know, for me what the travel industry is all about. It it makes me more effective at communicating because they can get me there in person. So while Zoom is great, Slack is great, email is great, that element of of you know high touch being in you know in front of your clients is missing. And I do think it'll come back hopefully sooner rather than later. So maybe to me, one of the most amazing things of all has been the way that our stock market has not only held, but, uh, but, but has hit numerous times new highs. And then in the last couple of months, we've seen a flurry of IPOs. Um, anything you want to say or touch upon that? Or do any of your clients looking at IPOs here going forward? I, I, my expectation is we're going to see that more and more in the uh, first part. 2021. I, everybody hit a pause out of uncertainty and out of um, the unexpected that happened in 20 in 2020. I um, I had a discussion the day everybody kept saying, "Well, we're doing great considering COVID. You know, this is doing fine uh, considering COVID." Well, that's no longer acceptable. We can no longer say considering COVID. This is reality, and I, th- I think you see a lot of businesses, a lot of um, private equity, a lot of VC firms. Are going to be looking for those uh, to cash in in 2021 with big moves. Uh, it was a uh, it's no more discount shopping. Where this is our society, and we've got to learn to um, operate within it. Yeah, because a number of names have gone out just in the last two months and uh, have really gone out and spiked out off of their 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 set or opening price, and none of them are making money. So uh, it, it's kind of an interesting phase right now. Yeah, it's, it's uh, our markets are driven based on uh, future performance and. That's a sign of optimism, and that's uh, it's the proof that this is, you know, as a country of who we are, we're we're optimists. Uh, we celebrate New Year's Eve out of the excitement that the next year is going to be better. And uh, you know, the same thing happens on Wall Street. Everybody's betting on the future, not uh, the famous line that lawyers like to throw in every result. You know, your past performance is not predictive of your future. And just because you did, and I think that was written because just because you did good mean that you're going to do good. Uh, you're going to do better in the future. Well, now I say, you know, because we've We've mastered these challenges. We're going to do great in the future. Well, our business is pretty simple. If our clients do great, we do great. <laughs> Ours is the same, right? If, if, you know, if we're helping our client improve their business, improve the relationship with their customers, improve the vision of their employees as a team, then we'll succeed. Mm-hmm. Kevin, is tell me about looking ahead to, to uh, uh, 2021. Uh, talk about the – advice you're giving your clients in terms of uh, 
innovation and how they uh, talk to their CFOs about innovation, the cost of that innovation, right? Uh, uh, something tells me you have some internal conversations about that inside Tech CXO, right? We do. As a matter of fact, Grant and I had one uh, right before we walked in here over a coffee, right? But it's mm-hmm. um, it's a trade off, right? It's a balance. If you look at technology as only as R and D, it can be a, it can spiral out of control. Uh, an area that's particularly um, prone to this right now is machine learning and AI. Huge investment. You can tweak a model forever and it'll, you know, you'll gain incremental accuracy in a model. But until you have a production mindset around it, you know, it really doesn't, uh, it really doesn't become fruitful. So the areas where I think CFOs and CTOs need to align are around what investment uh, is expected, what is going to be the return there. And you have to, ha- you have to be reasonable about it. it. It's not a, you know, it's not a toy shop. You know, you, you have to be able to say, um, here's what we want to do and here's why and here's the expected benefit. Is everything going to pay off? No, but you have to be able to balance the need for innovation with the, you know, with limited cash. Yeah, as, yeah, okay, please. And, and as a CFO, I mean, the first question I always ask someone when they come to my office to want to spend money is, is this going to reduce cost or grow revenue? And for the longest time when the IT side, the uh, CTOs and CISOs would come in, I would always expect for them to say, we're going to reduce cost by increasing efficiency. And I've seen recently over the over the past couple of years, the CTO, uh, CTOs and CISOs have come in and said, this is going to grow revenue. We're going to be able to meet more customers, more customers needs by producing this product and offering the service. And you know, I think that it's depending on the CTO or CISO role it can be both like this on the CISO side, your primary focus is reducing risk, but you're also reducing the risk of your clients or, or your clients, customers rather. So your clients, customers are going to make more purchases because you're compliant, right? So that increases revenue for them. So it's a little bit of both. And on the CTO side, you have sort of the infrastructure focus or more of a CIO role. That's, that's really managing a cost center and keeping costs reasonable. And the CTO is about innovation and growing the audience uh, for a company. And it's also not just about growing the revenue, but also improving the customer experience too, right? Uh, uh, which uh, helps you retain those customers. Absolutely. So the first time I worked with a user experience team was probably late nineties in the internet 1.0 bubble. And, uh, you know, it's not just the technology. If, if you can't put it in front of uh, a user or a customer and have them, you know, engaged in the experience, then it's really not worth the investment. So that's, you're absolutely right. That's a very critical component. Well, guys, this has been great, um, but we've got to give a shout out to maybe some other members of your team. So, you, uh, Kevin, you're you're a chief uh, information officer, chief technology officer. Kevin, you're chief financial officer. Are there other disciplines where you offer fractional services from Tech CXO? Sure, we have a uh, David Grosher. He's over at our uh, chief marketing group. Hmm. Uh, we have Maria Gutschel, who's over our uh, chief uh, human resources officer group. And uh, Kevin George, who's uh, leading up our um, chief executive officer and chief operating officer group. So we can fill uh, just about every C-level position, I think, uh, with the exception of the general counsel, which is the one uh, group that we're not servicing now. And those are all here in Atlanta? Uh, We have – yes, we definitely have someone in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We also um, have a large presence in Boston uh, Chicago, and uh, we're growing in Nashville and Raleigh. And we have a presence in New York as well. Yeah, yeah, because I think, you know, I think we've been blessed with Atlanta, uh, certainly over the last 10, 20 years, uh, a leading city uh, as far as business is concerned. 
And then rightly or wrongly, Atlanta and Georgia has been more open than some of the other states. Kevin, we just spoke this morning about Boston going to a second shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives me encouragement that the Atlanta economy is going to continue to probably do well, at least in comparison to some of these other cities in the short run. Agreed. Atlanta's been a great spot. Uh, I've been here since 81 and seen it grow, and it's just been a phenomenal sort of – It's a different city yeah. from 81, isn't it? <laughs> very, very much, very much. But it's it's just continued to grow. It's a great business climate, and it's it's very attractive to a lot of companies. Yeah, because I, you know, I give a lot of credit to the airport as far as back in the 80s, and I'm going to give a lot of future credit to what I think is the next biggest thing, and that's the Savannah Port and what that will open up here for the state. Yeah, I think the cost of living in Atlanta makes it very attractive for, yeah, um, for people to move here. Especially compared to these other top 10 cities. And uh, so so we'll see. we got to get some of these companies that Austin, Texas is getting. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, gentlemen, this has been great, but we can't let you go um, until we give folks uh, a way to get in touch with you that might have heard something and sparked an interest uh, for them to do that. Sure. First, our firm website where you can find all of our bios is uh, www.tech, that's T-E-C-H-C-X-O dot com. Uh, and then my personal email address is grant.edwards at techcxo dot com. And you can reach me at kevin.carlson at techcxo dot com. And I also publish a blog at fractionalcto.blog. Well, Kevin, Grant, thank you so much for being our guest, and uh, we will both wish you both a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. John? Uh, Roger, this has been great. Another two great guests to uh, wrap out uh, 2020, right? And our next show will be 2021. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's turn that page, right? Uh, uh, folks, uh, we appreciate you joining us here uh, in 2020 on Frazier & Dieter's Business Beat. For Roger Lesby, I'm John Ray. Join us in, next year on Frazier & Dieter's Business Beat.